Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. My name is Kylie Miller, and today I am joined with Dennis Burns, Mr. R.L. Frazier, and our guest speaker today, uh, Dr. Boyd Paget. Hello, everybody. How are y'all doing? Good. Hey, we great. I'm getting rained on again. <laughs> yeah, you seem to be getting the most of it out of all of us. I'm telling yeah. you, I may have to fly again, see if I can land without landing in the water this time. I- I got to give you credit. You landed in the water. I thought you did it on purpose. I knew you didn't, but I thought you did it on purpose. It looked like you did. Well, you know, it was it was a good smooth sea landing, water landing. Yeah, I got mean, you float and, a styro- now. and a styrofoam plane floats. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And if y'all don't know what we're talking about, go check out our Twitter page. Uh, Mr. RL took some good flood video um, with his drone. I guess that was the day before yesterday and posted it on there. And uh, he had a little uh-oh on his landing. So <laughs> you, if you want to know what we're talking about, go check that out. It's a pretty cool video. Um, is, was all that planted, Mr. RL? No, it had not been planted. Okay. So what are we looking yeah, we at? Backwater or all the rain? The what? Are we looking at backwater or just a bunch of rain trapped? Just a bunch of rain and everything's full and can't get off. You know, all the ditches are full. The bars are full. So, and then when you get four inches in 45 minutes, you know, it just, whoosh, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let's get uh, everybody on to what, what they came here for. So, Dr. Paget, um, why don't you talk about, uh, give us an update on what's going on with the wheat. Certainly. Um, I appreciate y'all giving me the opportunity to address our producers, consultants, and agents, and those involved in agriculture. It's always a pleasure. Being a Louisiana native, I always like helping people out when I can. Um, season's come to a close. We had about uh, almost 23,000 acres of wheat planted in uh, 2019-2020 growing season. Um, started off pretty good, and as we got into the season, things progressed along pretty good, very light disease pressure. Um, so, you know, the question that, that I would ask myself, we're at the end, so what can we look back on and what, what can we learn from? Uh, it's not finishing up that great. Um, we, we're seeing some problems with fertilization, uh, and essentially what that is, is it's uh, the number of chilling hours that wheat needs to transition from a vegetative to a reproductive growth state. And, and I guess long story short, you got to have these chilling hours to produce a head. And last time I checked, when you drop a combine in the field, you need some heads on that wheat, right? So it helps a lot. Yes, it does. Um, Dr. Harrison, who coordinates the variety testing program for small grains, which would be wheat and oats, he had um, 56 varieties. And uh, he had actually 12, 12 early varieties up here in the central part of the state. But in his, in his test, 
in Baton Rouge, 16 of those varieties did not vernalize. They did not make a head. And uh, that was due to an unusually warm winter. Uh, we normally don't, ex don't experience that, but we saw that this year. So that's something you probably need to file back in your head when you choose a variety next year. Um, and as we know, with any crop, variety selection is going to set the stage for the rest of the rest of the year, right? Right. So we got variety tests on all crops grown in the state at, at various locations, and I'd encourage our clientele to visit the Ag Center website and get that information. What Dr. Harrison and uh, myself and others that are involved in the variety testing program, we we uh, we collect data on agronomic characteristics. Like certainly yield, test weights. Also, <clears throat> lodging and heading date. And that heading date is gonna be tied into vernalization. Most varieties need anywhere from 670 chilling hours up to 1,000. So there's a difference in the, those varieties. That, that's why those 16 varieties, they need more hours, obviously. So growers need to take that in consideration for, uh, for next year. We also rate for disease resistance. Um, any naturally occurring diseases at these locations is noted, whether it's these varieties are susceptible or resistant. If you, if you have a resistant variety that's high yielding and stable across different environments, ideally that's what you want. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to put out a fungicide and that's money that you, that you save and it's, in these times, any penny that we can save is really greatly appreciated. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't see a whole lot of other diseases in, at least at my location here at the Dean Lee Research Station near Alexandria. Not much rust, a little bit of leaf rust, a little bit of stem rust, but uh, we did see scab. So quite a bit of scab. I don't know, uh, I, was, I was with Dennis, when we shot a, a podcast, Dennis, up at Macon Ridge Station, mm -hmm. we saw, saw some scab, and it was yep. different varieties. I mean, you could, you could pick the varieties out. Very, it's a very showy disease. It's caused by a fungus called Fusarium, and it likes warm, wet weather at planting, I mean, at uh, flowering. So when the wheat begins to flower, if you have anywhere from 60 to about 85 degrees and it's wet, then you're setting yourself up for some scab. And there's not really any varieties that are entirely resistant to this problem. Uh, it can be noted, by the time you see the symptoms, it's too late to do anything about it. And that's the case with most diseases. Uh, you'll, you'll see a half bleached head and if you look closely, maybe after some uh, high moisture events, you might see some pinkish colored uh, spores. The spores of the fungus might be at the base of that kernel on the plant. So while we don't have varieties that are completely resistant, we do have varieties that are less susceptible. So I would encourage producers to choose those varieties that are less susceptible. We do have some fungicides that provide some protection as well. Not, uh, not complete suppression. It's gonna be more of a suppression because we, they don't get together and decide, hey, we're gonna all flower on Tuesday. They flower 
different times during the growing season. Since flowering is the most susceptible time for infection, although it can infect on the front or the uh, tail end of flowering as well. Yes, flowering is the most devastating time. You can make an application of a fungicide at, at initial flowering. And the three products right now are Miravis Ace, it's a new product with Syngenta. Prosaro is a, a bare product. And then Caramba is a product from BASF. And they do provide some, some, some pressure for this disease. Um, we have some research going on on the station, looking at various fungicide programs in the variety evaluation. We also have a uh, Dr. Harrison, Dr. Price, Trey Price, at the Macon Ridge Station, and myself, we uh, collaborate to evaluate varieties. This is a part of a, a USDA uh, project. It's called the SCAB Initiative. Not, not a very good name, I guess, but at any rate, that's what it is, and there's a lot of there's, there's many states that are collaborating on this, so hopefully uh, we'll get some information. We have a nursery at each one of these locations. It's, a, it's a, actually, we take the fungus and throw it out in the field on infested corn. And I, I should also point out, wheat behind corn is not a good rotation because corn also is infected by this pathogen. So, we get really high scab pressure, and hopefully we can identify some varieties that do have better resistance and provide that with the, uh, to the growers. So what are we gonna do? Just kind of finalize our, our stuff about wheat. If I'm a grower, I'm gonna pick a variety that, that performs well. It doesn't necessarily have to be the highest yielding variety, but one, you know, maybe in the upper five, 10%, that performs well at all those locations. And you don't want to pick one that you're going to be grown in central and south Louisiana that has problems with vernalization this year. I'd avoid those varieties as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Hey, Boyd. Yes, sir. Since uh, you mentioned the video, uh, we were up there, and I'm going to lead into this, Kylie, with the let's talk about the field day. Okay. Uh, the uh, you were on your we did a we did a virtual field day. We we filmed everybody's talks, put them all together. You were one of them. You talk, and we filmed you, or I filmed you at the. Uh, we were actually in the variety trial, which has two parts, with and without fungicide. Correct. Yeah, um, I'm glad you you brought that up. This is the first time this year. Did I interrupt? Is that no, the question? go ahead. Okay, so um, last year I had a test down in Baton Rouge looking at um, this new product from Syngenta and uh, Dr. Harrison noticed, he, he combined my test and he noticed uh, where I treated with this product, it looked really, really good relative to the, the control. So what we did this year, uh, Dr. Price and I, Got with Dr. Harrison, instead of having four replicates, we have six. So half the test was treated twice with this Miravis ACE product. Now most growers, it's gonna be hard to, to afford one, one application, kind of pricey right now, let alone two, but at any rate, we should have some very good information on yield, you know, yield loss due to uh, this particular, because we, 
I don't know if you've walked that test, but I'd encourage y'all to get out there and walk the test and once it dries out, if it's not too late, um, you'll, you'll see noticeable differences in, in variety, let's say variety A sprayed versus non-sprayed. There's a lot more scab in some of these varieties. So that would help the grower you know, identify what they may want to. I know when uh, we taped Dr. Harrison, when he went through every variety in, that, in the variety trial, he talked about, we did the, he talked about the untreated yeah. plots and he talked about, you know, this one's got, you know, the scab is worse than this one. Some of them had were remarkably less, you know. Right. And uh, so it, it was a good, uh, and all that's going to be on the video. We've got videos from, uh, who all we got on the videos? We got Boyd. That seed with entomology. Yep. Boyd with, you know, diseases. We got Trey with the scab nursery. We've got uh, Dr. Harrison with all of his wheats, oats, early wheat, late wheat breeding program. And then Dr. Rozelle with uh, corn fertilization. Yeah. And then Trey, doesn't Trey do a video with the scab nursery? Yes. Yeah. yeah he, and they're actually, uh, we have pictures of this overhead picture, drawn pictures of the scab nursery. And we actually have those into the video. So uh, all that will be online, available on YouTube, on our Louisiana Delta Crop YouTube channel tomorrow. So just search for it and you can uh, go to the playlist and you can, wa you can watch yourself, boy. <laughs> that's it. Over a cup of coffee, right? Well, that's it. You can... You can be like you're in your pajamas, like Santa Claus here. I'm looking at over here on the left with his beard and his red shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you, know? you don't see the bottom of that red shirt. It's got paint all over it from. Oh, I thought that was your pajamas earlier. Well, I was down in Alabama or in Arkansas. Way on it, we're okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I agree. Well, I don't know. We 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 talk around, and first thing when I call RL or if he calls me, he says. Are you out of your pajamas yet? You know, <laughs> just working at home gets us. You know, this has been since we've been working at home. I guess. Yeah. No sense in wearing jeans if if you need to be comfortable. Be comfortable. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, see, he's been. I don't know how long we've been out. Three weeks, I guess. I don't know, month. I really don't. Month. Yeah. Well, I see. RL. RL's grown a beard. He's got a red <laughs> shirt on. So I mean, I just, you know. Santa Claus coming hey, early. Talking about that, I was glad yesterday or day before, whenever it was. Days run together now. When I went and actually flew this flood, I just had my Crocs on and my short britches, and I just went and flew. Glad I did, because when I had to shuck my shoes and wade out in that field and get my drone, <laughs> it, was, it was nice. Yeah. Water was cold, too. I'm sure. I bet it was. Well, uh, Dr. Pageant, if you got anything else to talk about with any of the other crops, uh, you know, soybean, cotton, corn, um, you got any information on any of that or anything we need to be looking forward to right now? Well, um, kind of just give you kind of some pre preliminary uh, information on what we're going to be doing at the, sure. the Ag Center. Dr. Uh, 
Dr. Price, Trey Price and I, we work together quite a bit. We, we will have some uh, home farm demonstrations, looking at some of the, make some of the newer products. Uh, we have, I know I'm aware of two new fungicides that growers may be interested in that do show activity against Cercosper blight and soybean. That's the Miravis top. Y'all probably had some experience with that last year. Again, that's a, a Syngenta product. They've structured that, um, those products that they're all, they're all put out at the same rate. Uh, I believe it's 13.7 ounces per acre. Uh, read the label, double check, but the Miravis Ace, the Miravis Top, and the Miravis Neo, which goes on corn, they'll all be put out at the same rate. So don't have, it's kind of like passwords, right? You don't <laughs> want to have nine different passwords for nine different accounts, which we're encouraged to do. But at any rate, uh, we'll be evaluating that product. Also, there's Revitec. It's a new product from BASF. And there's some experimentals that are coming um, down the pike to be able to be evaluated. So we'll have we'll have those tests on the stations. I uh, planted the planting date study yesterday. Um, looking at, I'm not going to treat it with the fungicide, and um, I'm going to look at the impact over over many years. Uh, you know, early planted beans more susceptible. Does it vary? I I, sus I suspect it's going to vary from year to year. So can we identify what conditions uh, to alert growers to? saying, hey, you know, you planted, more than likely, this, this might be more of, an, more of an issue. So we have uh, four different, three, three different planting dates and, and uh, four varieties. Another addition to the variety testing program, Dr. Mosley has taken that over. Um, I have two completely different uh, variety tests, the OVT, at Dean Lee and Baton Rouge. And what we're gonna do there is we're not treating them with the fungicide. We treat these varieties, we'll overspray the, the big test with uh, with the fungicide if necessary. We, we would treat the, the normal variety test like a grower would. But I wanna know out of 150 something varieties, which ones have yield well and, and provide some resistance. Yeah. So we're doing that. We're looking at corn, um, looking at some experimental products on corn. I would just say, I mean, you got corn up and growing right now. Growers are gonna be, <coughs> you know, come, come June, July, they're gonna be uh, prompted maybe or encouraged to spray with the fungicide. And that's not always necessary. And I think right now we have to be very judicious on our inputs. Um, Boy, talking about corn and fungicides, I was sitting here thinking with all this rain, with all the, the cool weather that came in a week, two weeks after we planted a lot of corn. Yeah. I know that can be good on it, but does that increase the possibilities or probability of some type corn diseases coming in? Uh, not unless it predisposes the corn to being, you know, the rust diseases are, are introduced. They're blown in, they're obligate parasites. So no, the rust diseases, no big deal. Northern corn leaf light, which is 
one of our major foliar diseases, it's more of a problem with residues. You got residue in the field where you've had corn a year or maybe two years ago. Um, that's, that's not good. I used to collaborate with a grower up in the northeast part of the state that, that they would, they, they're great corn producers, but when they planted corn behind corn, um, they usually had, had this disease. So, you know, go a little further about your question, RL. When you're looking at this, your cornfield, and you see this disease, the first thing you need to ask yourself, okay, do I have any kind of resistance? And if you do, that's going to definitely help. And then how far along is the corn? I mean, if it's, you know, if it has an ear and it's pretty, pretty far along, you probably don't need to make an application. Dr. Frami and I looked at a cornfield here in uh, Rapids Parish that had southern rust, and that's very aggressive rust. And it got really bad, but the grower ended up being just fine. Uh, common rust, on the other, other hand, usually is the first rust we see. And it's common, the way you can differentiate them, southern rust is a little lighter. Common rust occurs on the, it's common on the upper and the lower leaf surface. Once it gets hot, it, it, it goes away. So um, to answer your question, it's probably not going to have a, a dramatic impact on foliar diseases that we see later on. And when you do see those foliar diseases, just take some, I, you know, encourage, I would encourage your producers to get in touch with y'all if there's any kind of question whatsoever. Trey and I, we travel the state quite a bit. Um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll be able to do that this year. Um, this is, this is something that I'll be telling my grandkid about. This is, I haven't been down this, I haven't done this rodeo stay at home stuff. My first rodeo with it. I agree, yeah. It's a new one for all of us and we've, we've all learned. And, and I, was, I thought I knew the answer, boy, but I just kind of wanted to throw that out because you know what some folks will do. Thank you. Yeah, and got, to kind of piggyback on that, what about what about soybeans? I mean, are there any, like, seedling diseases that we need to be looking for? Kind of with most the situation? Of our, most of our soybean seed comes with, uh, you know, a base fungicide seed treatment, and usually that's pretty good. Um, I, Seed a long time ago, and uh, Dennis and RL can can chime in here. But you know, we used to buy soybean seed, and it wasn't treated with nothing. That's it. And and usually you didn't have any issues with stand. I mean, it. Uh, we used to do tests down in Baton Rouge all the time. Did some tests at Macon Ridge. However, however, with the cost of Soybean seed now, you know, the fungicide do offer, you know, some insurance. So it, the base seed treatment's usually adequate if you plant under conditions that would encourage, you know, germination and plant establishment. I, I wouldn't, I would definitely not, uh, I would definitely not plant under adverse conditions unless you just absolutely had to. There were some beans, there's beans in y'all's area that's up right now that went through all that oh. cold. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, 
Dennis and I visited last year about a, um, a field. The grower planted when it was pretty cold, and I think mm -hmm. they ended up being okay. So that they were well, verifies that these. If, I don't know. They cut. They cut seventy-eight bushes. Oh my goodness! So I, uh, you know, they. You know, they struggled that. a little bit. Okay. They struggled a little bit. You know. Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you what. You go in South Concordia Parish from there's there's people that are through have been through yeah. three weeks you know yeah. yeah uh they they started planting in the middle of march so i know so, and we had our we had our two days of winter in march yeah. <laughs> yeah. that easter cold snap that everybody yeah, I mean, hey but but dennis did you catch that when he said long time ago yeah. Dennis and R.L. will remember this. I, I saw, I, I caught that. You know. I, caught I remembered that. it. It's wisdom. <laughs> yeah. He didn't throw Kylie under that bus. No, he, Lydia, he I, I might not remember something like that. Proverbs <laughs> talks about wisdom, so it's not a bad thing. Well, <laughs> well R.L., didn't you? Well, that, that was going to be a question I was going to ask you. If, if, okay. Oh well. All right, let me ask my question. Yeah. We got we got internet. We're all at home, so we have all different speeds of internet. Uh and you I think you answered my question when you said if since we're almost to the first of May, the base seed treatment on there, if it's warm enough and the weather's good, then we don't need to spend another ten dollars an acre getting a seed treatment put on it with the fungicide in it. In general, I'd say no. I mean, you know, there are exceptions where beans are planted behind beans, behind beans, and heavy ground yeah. that doesn't drain well, stuff like that. But yes. It's a general rule. In general, I mean, the, the base seed treatments work. Uh, they cover the vast array of, uh, there's really two different gro groups of uh, fungi that they, they go after. And uh, some are like the Pythiums and the Pythopteras, and then you got the Rhizoctonia and the Eusteriums. So the products work. They're older products, but they, until we experience problems, uh, which I don't anticipate, but okay. stranger things have happened. But yeah, I, I, I don't think okay. we gotta we gotta save as much money as we can. Yeah. All right. All right. What you got? What else you got, Kylie? No, I thought Mr. Arrow had a question of the day he wanted to pitch to everybody, or was it you? I couldn't remember. That was me. That was my question of the day. Oh, that was? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good one. Oh, well, well. And, and, Go ahead. And, and the reason I ask this is, I know talking to my growers, cotton acres is way, way down because of the price. And the only thing they got to replace them with is soybeans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're going to have more soybeans than, than they normally have and they want them as they want them as cheaply as possible i guess means mm -hmm. are tough you know i mean cotton comes out of the ground wanting to die but once it gets out of the ground gets a hold you can't kill it but yeah beans are i i'm at the ag center almost 30 years and i i i have not been called to the field for stand problems with soybean very often a few mm -hmm. times and i don't know if y'all get called to the field for stand issues that are due to disease, I'm not talking about poor emergence because of the weather. Yeah. 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 I think I'll agree with you. 
Yeah. I mean, the only problem I've ever seen or we've had is catching a big rain or something. Right. Probably that's the only thing in my memory I can think of. Yeah. No disease. They drown. They drown real easy. <laughs> that yeah. five inches we got a couple of years ago. They didn't manage that too well. <laughs> yeah. You'd be amazed though at beans if it's cool and cloudy that they can they can stay submerged several days. Um, I'm not saying it's a good thing. If the water's moving and uh, there's no debris left on top of the, you know, the cotyledons or whatever, the unifoliate leaves. We had some beans that flooded on the station last year. They were underwater for a couple of days and they were very young beans. I won't say it didn't compromise them some, but they, they came on out of it. Uh, if it's real hot and they get scalded, then it's not, not a good thing. Yeah. Well, we're about to run out of recording time, guys. So I think I'm going to go ahead and close. If y'all don't have anything else y'all want to add, anybody? No. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think we good. All right. Well, Dr. Padgett, yeah. we're very glad that you were yeah, able to join us great. today. Um, you're always yeah, welcome. I, um, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to, to do this. Look forward to visiting with y'all down the road. And if y'all need anything, please. Um, Contact your county agents. You got three really good county agents right here. Um, where I pay our salary. So if y'all have some issues, uh, get in touch with us and we'll be out. Yeah, and hopefully soon because <laughs> yeah, I'm getting tired of being home. But um, I just gonna before we close remind everyone to uh, check out our Twitter account, and we're gonna post the link. I guess tonight or first thing in the morning with the uh, wheat field day, and uh, you should be able to watch that starting tomorrow morning. And that account is a Louisiana Delta Crop Report. Um, we thank everybody for listening, and hope that y'all join us again soon. Goodbye. Right, thank you. Bye. 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 Be safe. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local Extension office.